Lekutei Sichas Parshas Kisisa Chelak Tesayin Sicha Gimel. We are learning Leilun Nishmas Rabbi Yosef Ben Yaman Ben Rav Nasha Kaltman. In Perak Lamed Beis, Chapter Thirty Two of this week's Torah portion, we read how when Moshe went up the mountain to receive the luchais, the tablets from God, the Jews awaited his return and miscalculated the day that he was expected to descend, feeling abandoned and confused, and like perhaps God needed help. They turned against Aaron, demanding a replacement. Excuse me for the Aaron. They turned against Aaron, demanding a replacement. They stripped themselves of their golden earrings and fashioned a golden calf. Hashem said to Moshe, Go descend, for your people have turned away from me. Leave me alone now. My anger is kindled against them, and I will wipe them out. In Pasuket Olive, verse 11, the Torah says, Ve'ichal Moshe es Hashem alikov. Moshe pleaded before the Lord his God, and he said, Why, O Lord, should your anger be kindled against your people, who you brought up from Egypt with great might and a strong hand? Now Rashi quotes the words, Why, O God, should your anger be kindled, and says, Moshe was saying to God, no one is jealous of another unless it's a wise man who's jealous of another wise man or a strong man of a strong man. In other words, there needs to be an equal situation for there to be jealousy. Commentaries on Rashi explain that it seems the intention is to clarify that yes, the nation committed a terrible sin of Avedizara. It's very understandable why God is angry. Why then would Moshe ask God to not be angry? And it's in response to this question that Rashi says that Lama here isn't Moshe asking why. It's Moshe saying, Loi, no, don't be angry. Don't have this jealousy. But Rashi, who explains the literal intention of the verses, is explaining the word Lama as why. And he explains Moshe's question as why, God, would you be angered at these, your people, for the making of an Avedizara? How does this even compare to you? A wise man would only be envious of a wise man and a strong man of another strong man. The challenge we have here is that back in the Torah portion of Yisrael, Rashi explained, quoting this very posuk, that the reason that Hashem said the words, Anoichi Hashem Eloikecha, I am God your God, in singular form, as though addressing one person, Moshe, at Sinai, was to give Moshe a solution for when he would need to speak in defense of the Jewish nation after the sin of the golden calf, so that Moshe could then say, wait a minute, God, don't be angry at them for this. You didn't tell them, you shall have no other gods before me, false gods. You said it to me. So Rashi actually already offered an explanation on this pasuk, why doesn't he use that explanation here? We can't say that Rashi's explaining our verse with both explanations, and he just doesn't offer the explanation he gave in Parshish Yisrael because he already taught it there. It's just not feasible that here, where that explanation then given in Yisrael actually transpires in our Parsha, Rashi wouldn't even make mention of it, at least briefly, and depend completely on the explanation he gave in Yisrael, which at the time was not even in direct context. And truth be told, that explanation in Yisrael is a really strong argument for Moshe when saying, God, don't be angry with them. That argument totally negates the possibility of God complaining against this event, let alone expressing anger. 
What we must then conjecture is that the two answers that Rashi teaches serve to explain two individual and separate ideas that we will yet discuss. We also want to understand the following. Rashi's explanation, one isn't jealous of another except a wise man of a wise man and a strong man of a strong man, simply explains is that the jealousy is in regards to Avedizar itself, but claiming this against God is so disrespectful. Additionally, this argument that no one would be jealous but a wise man of a wise man and a strong man of a strong man is a question that is suggested by Agripas Agoy, a Roman general in statements, when he asks of Rabban Gamliel, it is quotes, this is quoted in the Masechet of Avedah Zorah, on the idea that Hashem is a Kel Kana, which sounds like a jealous God, regarding, he prefaced it, Agrifas prefaced this, saying it's written in your Torah, regarding idol worship, that Hashem is a Kel Kana, a jealous God. Rav Gamliel answered to Agrippas was that Miskane, God's jealousy, isn't towards the idols, but it's anger towards those who serve it. Which is very surprising, even if we were to say that Rashi has proof that the point Moshe was making in his claim was Klumiskane. Why does Rashi learn it as a claim being made against Avedizorah, like Agrippas asked it? In fact, Rashi could explain it like the Medrash teaches it. The claim of Moshe is explained in Shmais Rabbah, and the Medrash there reads, Omar, Rebbein Ha'elam, Moshe said, Master of the Universe, Asulah Hasiyah, they created an assistant for you, and you're angry at them. This eagle that they made will be your helper. You'll cause the sun to shine. He'll cause the moon to shine. You'll do the stars. He'll do the constellations. You'll cause the dew to descend and he'll blow the winds. You bring down the rains, and he'll cause the grasses and plants to grow. The Medrash continues, so Hashem answered Moshe, You are making the same mistake as they are. The Egel is nothing. It has no substance. If so, says Moshe, then why are you angry at your children? This was the way the Medrash phrases it. And this phraseology is much more respectful to God. And it points to the anger God has to the Jews. The emphasis is about them. It's not anger towards Avedizara. Yet another puzzling issue is, as this claim that Rashi presents, that isn't found or alluded to in the literal words of the Torah, no answer would be a perfect explanation for this verse, because practically, what is so awful about not serving idols if they are completely inconsequential and have no real substance or existence at all? It's also hard to understand why Rashi quotes One doesn't get jealous other than a smart man of another smart man or a strong man of an equally strong man and omits a rich man of a rich man which is the next few words that are quoted in Agrippus' question. If Rashi uses an extended example in other words, quoting both chacham b'chacham, gibor b'gibor, then everything Rashi quotes is relevant to the explanation and the literal on the literal intention of the pasuk or verses, and not just because that's the way it's quoted elsewhere. So how are these two things, chacham b'chacham and gibor b'gibor, specifically relevant here in explaining the literal intention of the pasuk? 
The explanation for this is that the proof Rashi has for his explanation, Klumiskana, no one is jealous, unless there's an equal to be jealous of, comes from the words Lama Hashem Yechra that Rashi quotes from the verse. These are really not simple to understand. And when Hashem said to Moshe, now leave me alone, my anger is kindled against them, I am going to annihilate them, why does Moshe start to concern himself with God's anger? Shouldn't he immediately address the fact that God said he was going to annihilate them? Maybe after that, God's anger? Moshe doesn't do that, however. He says, why should you be angry? And only after that goes to why should you kill them? Remarking what the Egyptians would have to say about this. Here's the thing. Moshe knew that they were deserving of death for the sin. The Torah is already taught that when there are certain pro- there are certain prohibitions for which one would be deserving of death if transgressed. And no one argues against this, because simply for a severe transgression, there's a severe consequence. In this case, death, God forbid. The surprise regarding God's words is in regards to how Hashem says he will punish the nation, and I will consume them. And this, this choice of words has to be connected to a very particular issue. There's a rule in Torah that death can be administered as a punishment only when there were witnesses, after a person was warned, and after the basin tried his case. In fact, when the Torah says, a witch may not be left to live, which literally means that a witch should be put to death, Rashi warns that this does not mean that one should just kill every witch that one comes across, but rather that the basin should mete out this punishment. More so, even when the first sin of the tree of knowledge was committed, when Hashem had said specifically, warning Adam, don't eat from it, for on the day you shall eat from it, you shall surely die. In fact, Adam was not punished with death or immediate death until after a life of 930 years. Here, on the other hand, with the sin of the golden calf, God says to Moshe, leave me alone, I will consume them. In, in the intention is to mete out a punishment of death and immediately after the sin. More so, the term Hashem uses, Va'achlam, I will consume them, means he will consume all the Jews, the entire nation, even those who didn't sin with the golden calf. And we know this because a few verses later, Hashem says to Moshe, from you I will make a great nation. To which Moshe responds, as the Mepharshim explained, if a three-legged chair can stand, meaning if a nation of Israel can stand on the values or on the merits of the Avais, the three-legged, chair. How can a one-legged chair stand? How can you build a nation just from me? Now that's in no way a punishment for the sin of Avedizara. This is about God's anger. And this is Moshe's argument when he says, why should you be angry at them? If it's about the golden calf, what are you jealous of? It's understandable why there would be a severe punishment for the intense sin of idol worship, particularly as serving quote-unquote other gods, comes along with full awareness that these other gods have absolutely no substance, and nor is there any seichel, any sense in having a lust for this, as, Ra- as Rashi states in Parshas Yisrael, when we are commanded to not have other gods before God in Hashem's presence, these aren't gods, but others have made these graven images into gods for themselves, which is truly a grievous sin deserving of great punishment. But when God says, and I will consume them, I will annihilate them, without a basin's involvement in the judgment, and immediately, 
and all of Israel, it's understood that this is a punishment that isn't due only to the sin of the Egel, but it's a result of God's anger in connection to Avedizar itself. And therefore, Moshe argues, the Egel Azov is nothing. It's of no substance to care, cause misconduct, jealousy. And this anger of Avedizar, and for it to result in this punishment of annihilation for the entire nation immediately. Accordingly, we will understand why Rashi does not quote the answer that he brings in Yisrael, which says that Hashem said, Hashem in singular, to give Moshe the opportunity to defend the nation for the sins of the Egel Hazav by saying, why are you angry at them? You did not give them the commandment to have no foreign gods. You gave that to me. In Yisrael, Rashi explains the emphasis of Moshe's claim that is relevant there, an opportunity to defend even those who actually serve the golden calf, who too are not deserving of a punishment for transgressing, you shall have no strange gods because of the lacha in the Ten Commandments, a singular term. But here in our discussion, in our parsha, it's clear from Moshe's claim to God, his argument isn't about the punishment for serving the eagle, but for the anger itself that God has in connection to the Avedizara, the idol, the idol worship, that itself, the Avedizara itself, which would result in such terrible and immediate punishment. Accordingly, we can understand why Rashi quotes the two aspects of Chacham B'Chacham and Gibar B'Gibar, that a smart person can be envious of a smart person, a strong person of another strong person. When Hashem said to Moshe, go down, because your nation that you brought up from Egypt have behaved perversely, they have wasted no time in turning away from the path that I have commanded them. They made a molten calf and have bowed before it and brought sacrifices before it and said, These are your gods, Israel. This is your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now, though they did indeed say this, why does the Torah have to point this out? Point out that they said this, that this is the God that took them out of Egypt. Why is it important that we're mentioning the gravity of the sin of making for themselves a molten calf, bowing to it and sacrificing to it? Do we have to say that they said, these are your gods, Israel, that took you out of Egypt? And in Moshe's argument to God, we find the same thing. When Moshe says, Why should your anger be kindled against your people? He concludes with, Who you take out of Egypt with, a, with much might, and a strong arm. But it's this exactly that provides the proof that God's anger, which is expressed through the word miskana, to be jealous, has a connection with these words. These are the gods who took you out of Egypt. And it's to these words that Moshe argues, Klumiskana. One is not jealous unless it's a wise man of a wise man and a gibor of a gibor. There were two characteristics, so to speak, needed to take the Jews out of Egypt and to guide them into the desert. Chachma, wisdom, and Gvura, might. The miracles and wonders and the leaving of Egypt were connected to wisdom in how to execute the miracles and might to actually take them out. But wealth wasn't a necessity. Also, the quote-unquote help that those who served the ego seemingly wanted in assisting God wasn't about wealth. Rashi has told us that they left Egypt with great wealth and amassed even more wealth at the Yamsuf when the sea brought up all the spoils of the Egyptian army. And therefore, Moshe says, Loma Hashem 
Why should you be angry or jealous of the Egil? You and not the Egil took the nation out of Egypt with wisdom, Chachma, and Gvura might. Avaydazara has no wisdom and has no might. So how can there be envy or jealousy of Avaydazara? So this explains Rashi as follows. It seems at first that we still have to understand. Though there can be no jealousy of Avedizura. But regarding those who serve the idol, there can be the miskana, the jealousy of a kale kana, a jealous god, against those who serve the idol. Though the eagle though the eagle was not wise or strong, but they served the eagle as though it was wise and strong. So how do we understand this? A Jew who does not err with Avedizara, he knows its stones and its wood and has no substance at all. Even when he sins, he believes in God. As the Alta Rebbe teaches, Yehudi melikus. A Jew never wants, nor can he be cut off from godliness. One who suggests that these are the gods who took us out has simply ter- temporarily lost his mind. It's a roshtus a spirit of madness that has overtaken him. And that's how these words arise. This spirit of madness is actually quite separate from the individual who thinks them. It's not what the Jew is about. Moshe argued this saying, why should your anger be kindled against the people? Jealousy or anger towards the Jews has no place because the essence of a Jew negates idol worship and would never, a Jew would never consider Avedizara as wise a chacham or a gibor as mighty, which means that there really is no room to be miskana, to be angered against the nation. And with this argument, and as Rashi explains it, thus Hashem heard Moshe's, what Moshe's words, and he forgave the nation.